The 2010s are coming to a close, and it has been an amazing decade for film, independent, blockbuster, horror, comedy, you name it. It has been the decade of some unforgettable films. Indeed. And we are here to talk about our personal top 10 of the decade. That means both of us. That's right. I've got my top 10, Austin's got his. So it's going to get very personal today. And and I have no idea what he has. Yeah. He has no idea what I have. So this is... We're, everybody's in for a surprise here. Me, him, you guys. So we uh, up. W- this is uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, we're, what we're recording right now. Uh, we talked about last night. We were texting. You know, we we're like, let's let's do. Why not? Let's yeah. see if we can throw throw a bonus out there. Um, <laughs> because when you really look at it, there are a lot of great, great, great movies. Yes, and uh, very different. You know, it, it has changed. Uh, you think about even just what's changed in America. What's changed with politics? We had Obama as president. In this decade, and we also had Trump. Movies have changed. Art has changed. The way people uh, react to things, it's amazing. And uh, I'm glad we're here to talk about it. Me kinda, too. Kind of dive deep into what we enjoyed about the decade. Yes. Yes, very much so. This is going to be fun. Oh, yes. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And this is a very special episode of Filmgasm. <laughs> Where do we even start here? So this is our top 10 ever, like of this decade, best films that we love. Where do we, where do we start? Well, well, do you have any honorable mentions? Not really. No, let's not even do it. It's really tough to do that. No, because then it opens a gate to, we we made cuts for a reason. This becomes a four hour podcast Uh, when we just talk about every movie we loved. So I, I don't know if you're on the same page as me, but in my mind, these 10 movies are like in a like like a pantheon, like they're like a holy grail in my mind of the decade, you know? Yeah. And so you have to make cuts. <laughs> yeah. And we did not look at Rotten Tomatoes list, IMDb no. list, Metacritic. This is stuff that we personally adore. So fuck what everyone else says. We, we made this, we took less than 24 hours to yeah. do this, make this list. And here we are talking about I think it. Mentally, so, yeah. we both already knew what we were going to put in there. Yeah. Cause we we're both passionate people. Uh, we know what we love. So, uh, uh, let's get into it. I'll go first so you can finish it off. Yeah. All right. Uh, so number 10 is going to be 13th from 2016, directed by Ava DuVernay, the documentary. Uh, have you seen that before? No. Oh, boy. It's on Netflix. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. It's been on Netflix, yeah, like I said, since 2016. Um, it's an in-depth look on the prison system in America and uh, very, very eye-opening, uh, something that I think that needs to be seen and that hit me... Um, Hit me in a spot where I was like, oh, this stuff should probably be in history books, especially me as a, like a, a white um, white male that just didn't have this knowledge. And then I saw this movie, you know, three years ago, and I was like, wow, it taught me. Documentaries are supposed to teach you, I think. You know, that's, yeah. that's main, the main goal, and that's exactly what this does inside of an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, lots of lots of information will make you cry, uh, will like kind of devastate you. And that's that's something that I, you know me, Connor. I, yeah. I like to uh, be hit by things like yes. h- hard, mm-hmm. um, as heavy as possible, like bring it on. And this is a different kind. I wasn't ready for this. Uh, this is a different kind because it is not a story or something that's fictional or made up. This is, these are facts. This is information that should be known by every individual, especially in our country. Uh, so I, I encourage you, definitely go watch it. It's, on, it's been on Netflix, man. You should check it out. She's great. Okay. Ava DuVernay. She also had a When They See Us that came out. That was a like, mini-series, four-part. It was great. Uh, yeah, I think I'm really looking forward to what she does in the future. Yeah, I think I remember reading that she's been uh, tasked with DC to do a new Gods movie. Yes, which could be very interesting. That's oh, a yeah. very strange comic book. <laughs> yes. 
All right. Not what I expected this is going to be. See, see what I mean? <laughs> we, we have no idea where this is going. I, yeah, I'm in for a treat, and so is Austin. This is going to be very fascinating. All right, well, my number 10 is the 2014 Wes Anderson masterpiece, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, I don't have that. Oh, I'm so glad you do. Yes, oh my God. Oh, oh. a mesmerizing, hilarious movie with a loaded cast oh. featuring Ray Fiennes, possibly the greatest performance of his career as yeah. Monsieur Gustave. Amazing movie, hilarious. Uh, fake world war happening in this weird town. A painting is stolen. <laughs> a family's trying to get it back. You've got this. It's a story within a story within a story. There's so many different layers here, and it's one of my favorite films of the decade. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad. You know, I'm a huge Anderson fan, and I, I, got, I have to be honest. We'll say up front, I don't have this or Moonrise on my list. I'm a huge fan of his. You know, it's, it was hard. Yeah, and Grand Budapest might be his like best movie of it all is. time. It for me, yeah. <laughs> it's an incredible, incredible feat. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. It was I, one of his first. I think it was his first Best Picture nominee. Yes. It, oh, Royal Tenenbaums nope. might have been. No. Nope. No. Yeah. No, not no one. This was. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. This was his first one. It won an Oscar for Best Original Score. Uh, I think possibly uh, production design or costume. One of those. But uh, yeah, it it stuck with me. It's yeah, I my, saw it. Yeah, my mistake. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums was up for best screenplay. Ah, Wes Anderson. There you go. And Owen Wilson. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I started on my. That's list. fantastic. Yeah, what a 10. fun fun movie. Def, definitely definitely up for the funniest movie of the decade. Oh yes, easily. Say. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> <Whew>. Well, uh, <laughs> change of pace here. My Moving number, on. My number nine <laughs> is a. Uh, Blue Valentine. Ah, yeah, you know that's a little bit, a little bit sadder movie than yeah. Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> Pretty sharp decline there on the happiness index. Uh, Blue Valentine came out in 2010, directed by Derek Trenfrance, um, starring Ryan Gosling, Michelle Williams. Uh, there's not a whole lot to say here about this film. It's a, it's a, it's a look at um, certain eras of this relationship between Ryan Gosling's character and Michelle Williams' character. Uh, they go through. Very dark ebbs and flows, uh, sometimes very high, you know, very high highs, very low lows. And uh, they're both, it might be both their best performances, maybe, possibly. I don't know. And um, yeah, it's, I, I find it to be really rewatchable. Um, it, some people might, you know, think the other way and like they want to watch it once and be done with it because it yeah. is very sad, very devastating. But I could, I could watch Gosling all day. You know me. <laughs> I love that guy. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's my number nine. Damn. I have not seen that either. Oh boy, Blue Valentine. <laughs> that that one was on Netflix. I don't know anymore. Yeah, but I'll let you borrow it sometime. Yeah. Okay, definitely. I want to try to see all the films on your list, and I want you to see all the films on of my course. list. But I'm fairly certain you've seen all of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I got some more. <laughs> <laughs> my number nine is 2011's X Men First Class. <laughs> the nice prequel reboot of the X Men franchise, directed by Matthew Vaughn reintroduced the X-Men as uh, James McAvoy playing Professor X, Michael Fassbender playing Magneto, Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique, Nicholas Holt as Beast, and set the tone for a badass rejuvenation of this franchise that should have failed, didn't, and brought the X-Men into a new kind of franchise that petered out eventually. But we got this, and through this we got X-Men Days of Future Past, which was great too, but X-Men First Class 
is fucking amazing. It's got indeed some incredible set pieces. It's got Kevin Bacon as a villain, which is a, yeah, as a on. sadistic Nazi. Like, come on, and yeah, you got Wolverine's amazing cameo telling <laughs> Professor X and Magneto to go fuck themselves. Come on, yeah, I adore that movie That's so much. Fantastic. One of my favorite superhero movies ever. Awesome, awesome <laughs> stuff. Oh man, uh, is there a X Men film prior to that that you like better? Like from the 2000s? No. No, no that's your not. favorite? I loved X2. That was my favorite. X2 is all. Awesome. Uh, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Until I saw this, and I'm like, all right. Hell yeah. This is what I want. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, my God. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's keep going. This is uh, fun. Yeah, this is great. My uh, <laughs> number eight. Uh, speaking of all right, all right, all right. Richard Linklater's 2016, Everybody Wants Some. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a... Uh, Special movie to me. I, I saw it by myself in the theater in Houston. Uh, and right, right when I, wa- I walked out, I immediately was stunned that a movie surrounded by baseball players and, you know, their jocks and their, you know, college athletes and things that, you know, I don't care about. You know, I don't care about baseball. I don't care about this. But Link later does it again. You know, he's, he's you know, a magician with the way he writes, the way he constructs characters and how the development is always, you know, very, very good and very, very funny. And th- this might be his funniest movie of all time. Uh, I, School of Rock is, I think, right there as well. Um, wow. I'm, I'm a big fan of Bad News Bears. Have you seen this? No. Ah, shit. Three. <laughs> oh, for three there. Damn. I feel like there's going to be a lot of that uh, on your side here. May- maybe. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I think this movie is, like, goddamn hilarious. Uh, it's written and directed by Linklater. That's normally, typically what he does. Yeah. Um, the man is... Uh, he's... He's one of the most important directors, uh, you know, of, of our generation. You know, he's been doing stuff, like, amazing stuff. Um, and I might be talking about him again. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> what a... Yeah. Linklater, I have not seen as many as I should have. I've never seen uh, Slacker. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah that's my favorite. Everybody yeah. wants him. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen any of the before movies. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I, I Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to him, like, at some point. Yeah. Uh, where we'll really dive into his career because I, I really do think especially you went to Texas State I did the man is you know he, he like he was lot, filming Everybody Wants Some yeah, while I was there and, and and a lot of like boyhood and a lot of you know he's yeah he's very Texan and yeah. I, I think yeah I think he's important extremely he's important to you know like dive into if you're a Texan if you live here you know yeah he's he's like a huge icon my to family me. Uh, my mom and my uncle went to the uh, 10th anniversary of Daisy Confused in 2003. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was being babysat by my uncle's girlfriend's daughter. And we played, we watched, we ate cheese doodles and played the Hulk game on the GameCube. That was fun. But um, they told me, like, they, they went there and they ran into, like, everybody from the movie. Like, they were waiting in line with uh, a couple people from the movie, like, and getting beer. It's brilliant. And there was just a fucking great, it was at the water tower. And they yeah, were having just course. such a great time. And I remember that. Party at the moon tower. <laughs> I remember that way before I ever saw the movie myself. And just yeah, Linklater's always been important to my family. He's like, mm, I don't, I don't want to say, yeah, I don't say this lightly. He's like, kind of changed my life. You know, the way he, the way he sees things is kind of like, all oh, right, yeah, that I, that resonates with me. Maybe not so much now at age twenty four, but it certainly did as like a teenager. Oh yeah. Oh my god, when I first saw Slacker, when I first saw Dazed, um, it changed my life. You know, and then, and then you go into like Waking Life and Scanner Darkly, and he's just always changing the game always changing adapting doing different things I love him yeah <laughs> anyways what's your number 8 my number 8 
is the 2013 comedy The World's End. Oh, yes. The Classic. The third installment of Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy behind Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and a film that I think personifies a midlife crisis more better than any film I've ever seen. And not just because the uh, Gary King reminds me so much of my own father. <laughs> it, it's so funny. You've got Simon Pegg playing Gary King, this you know teenage rock star who like was the king of school who never grew up. He's you know he's in his forties now and he's just trapped in a lifeless life. Like he has cycle. Nothing. Yeah, he's he gets drunk and he just acts like a child. And he all his friends moved on, but he has always wanted to finish the Golden Mile, which is twelve pubs in his hometown. If you finish yeah, that, yeah. you get to the World's End, which is the last pub. You have a drink. You win the Golden Mile. And he never finished, so he gets all his friends into town to finish this up. They're all like, why the fuck are we here? I just watched this like two weeks ago. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's so damn good. And they learn that their town's been taken over by robots. <laughs> it's, yeah, and you just go from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a flawless movie. It's very heartfelt. Yeah. It's very emotional, and uh, it's funny as, funny as hell. It's I think it's my favorite, like, drinking movie. Yeah. Where, like, there's, you know, a lot of drinking oh, in yeah. the place. You know, like, The Hangover, stuff like that. I, It's brilliant. Good pick. Yeah. And, and it uh, matches your yeah. shirt. I'm wearing a Cornetto shirt right now yeah. as we're recording That's this. That's amazing. Was that planned? No. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> well, you have a lot of shirts, so one I of them do. is bound to connect with this list, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have a few that could connect to this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, That's uh, great. Yeah, absolutely one of my favorites. All right on. <laughs> Well, it goes to uh, number seven now. Number seven. Number seven. Uh, I said I was going to talk about Link later again. Let's go ahead and do that. Boyhood. Boyhood. Uh, 2014. I knew it. Amazing. You know, everybody knows, you know, uh, filmed over 12 years. You know, used the exact same actors. You know, Ethan Hawke, Patricia Arquette. Uh, what was his name? Ezra, uh, what's that guy's name? Ezra Coltrane, I think. Or Eller Coltrane. Eller Coltrane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he doesn't want to act anymore. <laughs> He's like done. I, yeah, after filming one movie for 10 years, I wouldn't want to act either. Well, he, ne- he never really wanted to. You know, he was a kid. You know, he was young. Yeah, oh, that's uh, a damn shame. No, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's a uh, there's no plot. There's no you know serious. It, it's just life. It's just kind of like a uh, that's pretty cliche to say. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. You've seen the film. This is the one you've seen. Now. I have seen Boyhood. Right so on. I got one. <laughs> it is a three. It's like a three hour journey. You yeah. Know, through um your through the perspective of this kid of Mason yeah. and uh, you know his parents are split up and it's something that I think everyone in some way, shape or form can relate to. Yeah. Uh, maybe not everyone can relate to the parent thing, but someone you can relate to how he interacts with kids in school. We all grew up. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah there was a, there, there's a scene when he's like ashamed because his stepdad made him like shave his head because he has long hair. And I, I relate to that because I have long hair. Oh, his fucking stepdad. And I, I went to a private school that would make us cut our hair. And mm. I would like cry. I'd be like, no, man, like I want my hair, you know. It's just little things like that in boyhood that are trickled throughout and they a wonderful soundtrack that yeah. captures the time as it goes. Linklater, Linklater was so damn patient with this. He would film, I don't know if you know this, he would film on one weekend a year, just one weekend. They'd all get together. So it was like a little anniversary every time. Like, let's all hang out. And, you know, Ethan's like, oh, I want to see what's going on with, you know, Eller and his life, you know? And, oh, here's Patricia. How, how are you doing? Like, what movies are you working on? It's amazing, you know? I think it's like something to really behold. And um, not only do I respect it, I love it as well. So, yeah, I, I think it... That's why it deserves a place on my list. That movie was so risky. If he'd lost anything, the whole thing is done. Yep. That's like if anybody if anybody had an accident or something, movie's over. I, I don't know of a director that has that kind of patience. No. And he's doing it again. 
with I, another project. Well, and he and you know we, you brought up. Um, I'm done with Linklater now. <laughs> <laughs> he is no more. But I, I do think his before trilogy. Uh, it's like what the hell, man! It spans over 18 years and it deals with the exact same two people, and they helped him write it. It's really it's genius. It's genius stuff. I think Linklater really knows people more than a lot of directors do. Like his characters always seem real. It seems like he's he's really lived. He's yeah. allowed himself to really soak life in, you know, soak yes. it up. So. Very, yeah. Yeah, I adore him. What's your number seven? My number seven is very different. The 2018 reboot of Halloween. Oh! <laughs> oh I don't have this, but I almost... Okay, okay. One of my favorite horror films, <laughs> possibly ever. It, it exceeded my expectations. It brought Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carpenter back to the franchise. It was a love letter to the original, but also continued the story... And made Halloween scary again for the first yes. time in decades. That's the main thing. <laughs> and I've watched that film like a dozen times since, and I, I love it more every time. And we'll remind, it's been out for like 15 months. Yeah. Came out October 2018. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's another one coming out next year, 28, uh, 2020, Halloween. Halloween Kills. Which we can't wait. Yes. And yeah, one of my, the only horror film on my list, and well-deserved. I, oh yeah, I loved it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I that was in my general pool. Yeah, when I like was making, I, I just didn't think that you, I don't know. I don't. I thought it was gonna be Conjuring. Yeah, Halloween. I know, just, I know. Yeah. You're a huge fan too. It's special for it me. It's very special to see that those characters brought back. Yeah, yeah. The Conjuring is great, but is it best of the or decade? Maybe, great? Or I thought maybe it chapter one. No, see again. No, same, it's, yeah, it's it's really good for like a you know like our top ten horror film to the decade. But, but when you put it in a pool with everything, this is pristine. It yeah. doesn't stand out like it does. Yeah, like everything else does. Yeah, and your fandom kind of takes Halloween to the next level. Yes, that's awesome. Yes. Especially since my expectations were kind of medium on that because I've been burned before, but I fell in love immediately. I was like, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. But, All right. Yeah. Moving on. Well, so we're down to uh, number six here. Number All six. Right. Uh, my number six is, you've been waiting for this one, 2010, David Fincher's The Social Network. The Social Network. <laughs> I watched this this morning. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. I've seen it too many times. Um, yeah, and it's right there. You know, it came out in 2010. You know, it's it's kind of old now. It's yeah. nine years old. <laughs> uh, I absolutely adore it. Every, every inch of it. I love Trent Reznor's score. I love Aaron Sorkin's writing. I love Fincher's directing. I love Jesse Eisenberg. I love Andrew Garfield. I love Rooney Mara. I love Brenda's song. I love Justin Timberlake. Every like every inch of it hits perfectly for me. Somehow he wrapped this movie up into two hours. I still don't know how he did that. It's it's like an optical illusion. Every time I watch him, I'm like how the fuck did he fit all that in? <laughs> uh, Fincher is obviously a, a master um, yes. uh, at directing. At uh, you know he's famous for. 70, 80 takes just to get that thing right. And uh, this movie is famous for him kind of being like a freak, kind of being uh, maybe a little too too hard on people. But uh, I just, I, I can't say enough about it. I adore it. I think it's Sorkin's, uh, it sh- showcases his talent like perfectly. I mean, he's, he, he's making this like, you know, creation, fictional telling creation of Facebook which I don't really care about too yeah. much Facebook, you know? I don't I know. really care, especially guys at Harvard. I really don't care about them. Um, I I care, though, when I'm watching this movie. It hits me hard. I don't know. And the mu- the music is probably my favorite aspect of it. I think, uh, you know, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, like, b- fucking brought it, you know? I listen to it all, like, all the time. This is one of those soundtracks that I have just, like, carried with me, and I 
I, I love the social network. I know it's not in yours, but yeah, we had talked about Sorkin's uh, ability to do that when I had finally watched Moneyball. Yes, it's, Sorkin is able to take something so dull and interesting to like a very select group of people and make it universal. Yes. I don't know how he does it. He adds tension to the most menial things, and he can create a story out of nothing. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I think my favorite my favorite bit from the movie, and you know, I think this is a lot of people's, is when. Uh, Edward R. Saverin, Andrew Garfield, realizes what's going on and slams the shit out of uh, old boy Mark Zuckerberg's computer and, you know, has the line, proud is at the cleaners, you know, along with my fuck you flip-flops, <laughs> you pretentious douchebag. <laughs> and it, it's just, I, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain uh, why I adore this, but shout out to my, my brother and his wife, Adam and Caitlin. They have a fucking awesome movie poster, uh, you know, social network movie poster in their kitchen. So every time I go there, I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's good. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I adore it. It's, it's very, it's like very dear to me and my, my older brother. Like, we very much agree on this one, um, which is not always the case. Uh, by yeah. the way, he just watched The Shining for the first time last night. Fuck! Yeah, how about that? Wow, what do you think? He loved it. Great! He was like, I definitely don't understand a lot of it, but that's okay. He's like, I was blown away by it. Yeah. He said, um, he's like, I felt the two and a half hours. He's like, I felt it. He's like, which is fine. He's like, but, but when Scatman goes, he's like, that's when I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> Here we go. So, hey, that's cool. <laughs> I can't imagine. We're always going to talk about The Shining somehow. That's going to come up almost all the time. We'll just bring it up. But yeah, love you, Adam. Shout out to you. Social network, you know. I think that would be number one on his, uh, if he did this list. So. <laughs> I've, I've seen the social network exactly once. And I liked it. I wasn't blown away, and I've, I said this in the, I think it was the Serpent in the Rainbow episode, I'm just not a fan of Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. I can't get behind him. I just, I hated his Lex Luthor so much. Totally fair. It, it ruined him for me, for me forever. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you like Zombieland. I do like Zombieland. I don't like him because yeah. of, I, I love everybody else in Zombieland, but yeah, dude. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to know that Kyle is gearing up for Friday. <laughs> What's your number six? My number six is Damien Chazelle's debut film, Whiplash. Ooh! 2014. A fucking amazing movie. All right. We have an overlap. Ah, I knew it. This is my number three. This is your number three. All right. Yeah, so, so let's, let's talk, talk about, about it. Whiplash. <laughs> One of the scariest movies, I think, of the of 2014. Yeah. J.K. Simmons is a goddamn monster. My uncle will not watch this movie. It's it freaked him out. Wow! Like it brought back memories. I yeah, think. I, this could be classified as a horror movie. It could be. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's pretty brutal. It makes you want yeah. to run. And it's so simple. It's just Miles Teller wants to be a jazz drummer. Yes, he gets brought into this prestigious class run by a fucking monster. Yeah, J.K. Simmons, Terrence Fletcher, complete fucking lunatic, but he gets results. So. I don't know, man. Like, where do you stand on that? Like, he's a monster, but he's got the best band in the in the fucking state. I, I yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. He he demands, but he's ruining these he, kids' lives. He demands perfection. Yeah. There's no more damaging two words in the English language than "good job." Oh god, damn. Are you one of those single tier? <laughs> it's wild. It's a wild movie. Was I rushing or was I dragging? Mm. God damn. Maybe most iconic scene of the decade. Maybe up up there. <laughs> You're rushing. One of the most well-deserved Best Supporting Actor Oscars of all time. We haven't brought up the Oscars at all. We have not. Which is fine. I don't yeah. care that we haven't. But my God, yes, I agree. 
best supporting actor this movie ever won <laughs> best film editing over boyhood which was a big upset huge feat uh, for yeah again debut written and directed by damien chazelle yeah, based off his experiences in music school yes <laughs> and like you said, Miles Teller, this is obviously his standout. Yes, uh, yes. He, he went through six months of like intense training to actually learn how to play drums. Yeah, way to go. You can tell. Oh, yeah. He's fucking bleeding. You mm-hmm. know, uh, there's the sweat's pouring down. It's, it is a brutal, brutal movie. Yeah. And yeah, I, it's like my number, th- I have it number three. This is a movie about yeah. the dangers of perfectionism. Yeah, and if you like jazz, it's just a plus. Oh, which yeah. Which I'm, that's my, that's, it's not my favorite, it's the best genre. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I don't have La La Land on here, but, you know, like, Damien Chazelle clearly has an eye. First Man was a great movie as well. Yeah. My God, Whiplash is a fucking masterpiece. Absolutely. I, sh- I think that should take the best picture that year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's to, it might be the best overall movie of the decade, in my opinion. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. It might be. It might be. Kind of contradicts your list, though. <laughs> well, uh, this is favorite. This is favorite. Uh, this is favorite. Yeah. This is favorite. Best. You'll yeah. see. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> I have a feeling. You'll see why. You'll, I'll explain. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, that's my number six. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're into number five here. Number five. All right. Uh, well, here we go. Here's my horror movie, uh, Hereditary. That Jazz. is what I thought your number one was. No. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. All right. Here we go. Here we Uncharted go. Waters. Uh, Hereditary <laughs> number five. Yeah, 2018. A24. Ari Aster. Written and directed by... Uh, that's... That's a guy who, yeah, I think we need to be looking out for. Midsommar is not quite up to par with Hereditary. <laughs> but uh, Hereditary is a horror classic. Yeah. It spooked the, the bejeebus out of me. Spooked the bejeebus out of you, yeah. And and I, I watch it a lot. I rewatch it a lot. I find that every aspect of it is not not exactly what I thought it was before the previous time I watched it. Oh, big time. It keeps changing. keeps changing in my mind. It keeps moving. keeps getting better. And if you want a more in-depth analysis on Hereditary, uh, yes. check out episode 18 of the podcast. Yes. We have done this one. And yeah, I agree with you, man. This this barely didn't make the cut. Yeah, my, I was kind of shocked yeah. that because that, I, I figured we might both have like one or two horror movies. This yeah. is my one and you had Halloween. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, I, obviously you don't disagree with me that Hereditary, it, it is a classic. It is a classic, but for me, man... It's it's too much. It's too hard to enjoy. It's f- so freaking well, scary that it's hard for me to enjoy it. Well, I mean, look at I have I yeah my list. You got I, a lot of self punishment on. I that got list. Blue Valentine, which is like <laughs> tough. Thirteenth, yeah, is tough. Yeah, man. Yeah. I like I told you know you know me. I yeah. like to be just fucking rocked. Yes, you do. Hard. Yeah. Yes, you do. So, uh, yeah, and that's what Hereditary does. It does. But it's also like. Textbook horror, yeah, <laughs> which we love, which we're like, oh wow, okay, that that immediately spark, you know, gets our attention, uh, and yeah, I adore it. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it. It could only rise, you know what I mean? It yes, can only get higher on my on, on me liking it, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I love the shit out of Hereditary. <laughs> Everyone should see it. It's yes, on Prime. <laughs> absolutely, it's frightening. Oof, I've seen it. Four or five times now, and it's just every time it fucking gets me right here. I lost here. track. I don't even know anymore. It's right? so it's a it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. I'll just yeah. Yeah, and again, please go listen to it because we we dive deep into that yeah. one. Yeah, go listen to that episode. You said 18? 18. 18. Episode eighteen. It was a classic. It's a good one. <laughs> That's one of the best movies we've done. Yes, yeah, one of the better horror movies standalone. That's come movies. up a few times in our episodes. Yeah, yeah. Check out our top ten horror films of the decade for more of that. Where did that land? <laughs> You'll have to find out, but <laughs> Azar, if you made it this far, you already know that. <laughs> number five. My number five is 
2012's Django Unchained. Ooh! Quentin Tarantino uh, popping uh, up uh. for the first time. I love it. And yeah, this is a film that <laughs> blew my expectations out of the water. I didn't exactly know what this was going to be, but goddamn. This is a violent movie. This is a movie about slaves getting their justice, and it's fucking great. It's got my one of my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio roles ever. Fucking Calvin Candy, the most sadistic yes, shit yes. that Tarantino ever created. Mm. And it's such an enjoyable film. It's almost three hours long, but you don't feel it at all. It You get sucked into that movie. Mm-hmm. Amazing, Every performance is oh, yeah. great. Amazing soundtrack made up of old school spaghetti western cowboy themes. A special appearance by Franco Nero, the original Django. Just, oh, it's so good. Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Kerry Washington, Sam Jackson. It's amazing. Woo! I love this movie bang, so bang, much. Bang, 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 bang. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I love Django. It's not on my list, but I, goddamn, oh. I love it. Tarantino won his second Oscar for screenplay for this. And yeah, this should have, he should have gotten Christoph a Waltz. Christoph Honestly. Waltz. After playing the most evil guy, he gets to play the most decent guy. Yeah. Us. Who other than Quentin Tarantino would offer him that opportunity? Yeah. Well, Christoph Waltz said he wasn't, he wasn't taking the role unless he got to be a nice guy. Yeah. Because like, he got to be so evil so in Inglourious Basterds. I want to do that shit again, yeah. Back-to-back Oscars for that guy because of this. Like, Legend. Unbelievable. Yeah, Tarantino, dude, when he... He knows what he wants to do, and he... Fuck anyone who says differently. Yeah. I love that. Check out episode five for more on Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. Easily one of my favorites. Right on. You want to talk about him some more? Why not? Number four. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I knew it. 2019. We have overlap again. (laughs) What do you have this at? That's my number three. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. My goodness. Rick fucking Dalton. (laughs) Cliff fucking Booth. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If you haven't seen this, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, You know. We did an in-depth analysis on this our first ever bonus yes number one this uh, yeah i would like to say something this this movie shook us so much yeah we saw it together of course opening night of course at the uh local animal draft house at stone oak it, sh- it shook the shit out of us that we we like walked to target so we could try to find the uh, soundtrack <laughs> and you, you you and i were just like mm, no i think we just saw a classic yeah uh, and we were just kind of praising it, but we both deep down knew, no, we didn't, we, we saw a classic, like, even in Tarantino's terms, like, this is even like a top five Tarantino, like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> you know, that makes you think for a second, and we were like, hey, let's, let's do a bonus, let's do a live, like, a current bonus, and that changed our formula now of, like, how we podcast, is we, we try to do more current bonuses, because of this fucking movie, yeah, uh, because it, it shook us, man. Like we 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 started podcast. We started the podcast in March. The official film guys and podcast. We knew this shit was coming out. We knew it. We knew it. We knew we were gonna go see it. We circled our calendars in July. Here we go. You know, here we go. Tarantino did not know it was gonna be this good. Yeah. <laughs> Again, damn near. You know, in between two and a half and three hours, you don't fucking feel it. It moves with such pace that is so easy to watch. And it's so goddamn funny. Oh my lord. It's. Yeah. Leo, like one of his greatest performances, one of Brad Pitt's greatest performances, and they're just two guys fucking around in LA for three hours. That's what the movie is. And they're so good. Yeah, we haven't even brought up all the, the, the fictional nonfiction. Yeah. The Manson know? shit and like the you know, taking them all out with Robbie is like damn excellent. Excellent. I would love to see her get a best supporting, you know, I think she's gonna get a nomination. I'd love to see her win too. I think she's subtly very, very good in this film. Oh yeah. Man, I just like it more and more. Incredible sixty soundtrack. Oh, like I listen to the soundtrack religiously. It's yeah. pure Tarantino. It yeah. Yes. And if you love movies, 
This is for you. It's his love letter to film itself. I'm, I'm not surprised at all that we both have this. Yeah. Not surprised at all. <laughs> that what? is awesome. So that's Wonderful. my number four and your number three. Yeah. My number three was Whiplash, which you already talked about. Woo! So shit, we're... All right, well, I'll do my number four, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. My number four is a film I had zero expectations for. I went to see because I was bored, and I thought, I just saw What's one of the most there? amazing films I've ever seen in my life, 2014's John Wick. Oh! <laughs> Keanu yes. Reeves' comeback movie, a movie about a guy avenging his dog. That is what this is about. Spawn a... Like billion dollar franchise at this point John yeah. Wick 2 and John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum both kicked ass and I, yeah Keanu Reeves got a massive career boost from this and well deserved it's one of the most incredible action films of, what the, on earth? of all time I, I, I have the same reaction this blew me away Yeah, my expectations are like eh, I'll have some fun yeah I didn't know it was going to be one of my favorite trilogies of all time. No, I had no idea that I was going to be immersed in something. I almost put this in my list. Almost. Because <laughs> it is one of my favorite action movies of all time. Yeah. It's one of the best. It is. It's got, the combat is unfucking believable It's made by stunt guys who knew how to do this shit. Ke- and Keanu. And on. it's so simple. It's just guy, ex-assassin, his wife just died, he gets a dog given to him by his late wife, bunch of fuckheads show up kill the dog steal his car and he goes back into the world to kill them let's go boom and you've got a Russian gangster terrified of this guy yep. you got some of the smartest dialogues and the best setup this amazing world Ian McShane as this guy who like runs this underground club of assassins it's it's flawless it's amazing indeed <laughs> I agree it's one of the most enjoyable just Sunday watches ever can't yeah <laughs> can't say it better John Wick perfect Baba Yeager Love John Wick. All right, so that's your four. That's my number four. My four is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. My three was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And my three was Whiplash. So we're on to two. We're on the home stretch, folks. All right. My number two is from 2016. It is Barry Jenkins' Moonlight. Ah, Moonlight. Oh, boy. What a beautiful, beautiful film. Triptych, beautiful film. Uh, You know, you've seen this one. I've seen Moonlight. Um, What do you think about it? I, thought I, don't, it, I don't totally know what you think about Moonlight. Because you know I'm, I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yes. Moonlight, I thought, was uh, mesmerizing. I thought it was a brilliant idea. I thought it was great to show a kid in the inner city struggling with his sexuality. I've never seen that before. Yeah. And I thought it was entertaining, but extremely sad. And I think it totally deserved Best Picture. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and I, I can I, see yeah. why, I understand why it's your number two pick. Yeah, I, I, I adore it. Not like I relate to those subjects. I'm not from the inner city Miami and Florida and, you know, the slums. I'm not, you know, I'm not homosexual. I didn't grow up, you know, I didn't grow up with a mom who's addicted to drugs. I didn't sell drugs, you know. These things are so different from me, are so, so foreign to how I grew up that I am fucking fascinated by it. Yeah. And I... Barry Jenkins, you know, he had also had Beale Street, which I almost put on here as well. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, he, he has a way of showing people's faces and their their expressions and their reactions, the way they talk, particularly Mahershala Ali uh, and Naomi Harris in this, in Moonlight. It's it's poet. It's like poetic. The colors off their skin. Um, what he sees is just a little bit different than most directors, and it's it's pr- partly because he's black, partly because he's he sees something different, you know, and... He wants that representation in his films. He's like, he's very serious about that. And I mean, the dude, you know, wrote and directed this and then, uh, you know, adapted a James Baldwin novel. Like he, he's, 
I think very essential to the community right now, to the American community right now, not just the black community, the community. Uh, I think this is like a story that a lot of people should see. I think it will change your mind. I think it can um, enlighten you a little bit, give you some insight on something that you just don't know anything about. I think Uh, it showed for me that we all go through a similar struggle of identity. Yes. Who are we? Exactly. That's at the root of it is, is like, you're always itching because you're always in your own mind and you're always itching to figure out be the best you you can be like what the fuck does that mean what am I who am I yeah and and, and watching you know watching Chiron watching you know uh, watching Little you know interact with Janelle Monae and Mahershala Ali it's just it destroys me and like it it like rips me apart this movie and I watch like still I've seen it so many times I, I love it I'll never, never forget this experience in theaters. Never. I never will. Uh, yeah, sh- shook me. Just close to being number one. <laughs> <laughs> I also think this is one of like the masterpieces of the decade, along with Whiplash. I think it's like, wow. Like, how can, even if you like, you know, it's not on your list or, or whatever, uh, if, even if you don't like particularly like it, you, it's, you respect it. It's just like a nice piece of cinema. <laughs> yeah, true. You know? Very true. All right, what's your number two? My number two is a film... That might be the most excited I've I was I've ever been in for a movie theater uh, to be in a movie theater for. This is a a surprise, or well, not a surprise. I, I knew this was going to be amazing. I cried many times, and this represented the end of a massive childhood excitement for me. And it's 2011's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Yes, <laughs> I figured one of us would have that. <laughs> I didn't know it'd be number two, man. I adore Holy this shit. movie. I've Seeing this was a cathartic moment for me. Wow. I grew up with the books. I grew up with the movies. So this was something I knew was coming and I couldn't wait. Yeah. The anticipation. And I saw it at the movies. I blew off a vacation with my family. Like in the middle of a vacation, I went to go see this. And I was cheering during the movie. I was crying. And it was over. I was like, what now? Like this was my whole life for 10 years. And what do I do now? Like what do I look for? What do I enjoy? And I still kind of don't know. <laughs> still looking for it. I'm still looking for it. Harry Potter. I'm still was, going back to was it. So important which is to me. what we're going to be doing this upcoming yeah. week. <laughs> Next week is Harry Potter. So yeah, don't miss. That. I did not know you liked it that much. Yeah, this was a very big wow. deal to me. I love that. This was my whole life for a long that. time. This is a very very Connor list. I really like it. I really like it. <laughs> we're all, we're learning a bit about each other on this. This is one. great. No, I'm so glad Harry Potter was represented. I really am. I, I adore, obviously, that franchise is important to me in very different reasons. I did not see it in theaters, uh, you know, Deathly Hallows. Actually, in fact, the only one I saw was Half-Blood Prince in theaters. So my connection to it is way different than yours. So yeah. I, I, I very much understand why you would hold it in, like, a higher regard. Because the anticipation for you is probably, like, yeah. I had been like look, nothing else. I've been you know? looking forward to that movie literally my, as long as I could remember. I, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the most I anticipated a movie because it's Tarantino. And because, you know, I've seen every, all of his movies. Harry but, Potter, but this is Hallows, this Part is 2, different. was the most I'd anticipated a movie until my number one pick. Uh, which I, I... Yeah, yeah. Do you know what my number one is? I have no idea. You've said, so, like, three or four movies that I thought were going to be your number one so pick. 2018, as well. Bing Lu directed Minding the Gap. Wow. Uh, <laughs> really? Wow. I knew that was going to shock you, because I haven't talked about it a lot, because I want you to see it really bad. But I, I, I can't I can't can't hide my feelings on this one. Um, Mind of the Gap from the first time the piano hits on like the theme of the 
of the documentary. I, I start crying. I just like lose it. I might start crying right now talking about it. Uh, it's it's directed by Bing Liu, and I'll just give you some insight on him. He's uh, really he's like a cinematographer. He uh, filmed some stuff on Shameless, did some camera work with that show. Um, he grew up in Rockford, Illinois, um, in like a very horrible home situation. Uh, his dad like abused him, and uh, so he like turned to skateboarding and hanging out with his friends, you know that sort of thing. And he fucking filmed everything, you know, like when he was a teenager, when he was a kid, teenager. And there's three people that this documentary follows, and it's it's him, Bing Liu, uh, Zach, and Kiri, and um, they all skate together and they all hang out, and it just it's just just an hour and a half looking at looking at them growing up. Um, I it's very very simple, but it <laughs> I don't know how to explain. It's probably the one of the best like characterizations I've ever seen in my life. Um, particularly Zach, you watch Zach and you you're like grappling with him. Um, in ways I've never grappled with the character. Should I like him? Should I not? I Should I cry for him or should I hate him? You're just ripped in half by, by these guys. And then, and then being the guy who's, you know, filming everything and, you know, made this brilliant piece of art, uh, you start, things start unfolding for him and you're realizing his home life is shitty, but he's behind the camera the whole time. It is like, it's a movie. It really is like a movie. It's classified as a documentary, but it's filmed like a movie. When you see it, you'll understand what I'm saying. Uh, it's on Hulu. I, I, people have to see this man <laughs> it's not i don't want th- people to think like oh skateboarding or, or whatever you know no it's not about skateboarding that's just what they use to escape their shitty home lives and uh yeah i, I can't say enough about it. it's my number one movie of the decade I, I fucking love it i watched this last night yeah i you know and i wanted to make sure because I, I adore moonlight with all my heart and it is a it is a movie's movie you know <laughs> moonlight is like a, a craft and uh mind in the gap is more of like a, a project I just I can't I can't ignore how strongly I feel about it, so that's why it's number one. Props, man! Wow, you're very passionate about that film. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to watch that. You got to. It's an hour and a half, man. Just yeah, just do it, man. <laughs> well, we come to the end. We've 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 arrived. <laughs> My number one pick is a film that represents a ten year journey and a 20 film buildup and it's 2019's Avengers Endgame <laughs> we are in the Endgame it's a movie that <laughs> alright so we had Infinity yeah, War take your time dude alright we had Infinity War I knew that was going to be awesome it was amazing and it ended in the most shocking way I've ever seen a superhero film end where half the fucking universe gets destroyed and I am a massive Marvel fan I followed the MCU from the beginning I've never missed a film and I, I love almost all of them. And this Endgame started out as, like, where do we go from here? It's, they lost. The Avengers lost. And they're all so defeated. Iron Man, you know, watched the boy he almost considers his son, Spider-Man, crumble to dust in front of his eyes. And he felt him, he was responsible for it. Thanos walks away victorious. What the fuck? And Endgame was the... The production was so secretive. The trailers revealed nothing. The cast list was almost like they were lying to us. And they did such a brilliant job. The Russos did such a great job of keeping us in the dark until the very second the movie started. And I was watching that glued to the screen. Another three-hour film that does not feel it. Oh, no. No. And it features, I think, Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance as Tony Stark. Yeah, I would agree. It's just watching... It's really stretching, yeah. It's watching a group of defeated heroes 
try one last chance to right the wrongs. Because they consider themselves the reason this happened. They, they failed to stop Thanos. And on top of that, you get what might be the most incredible battle sequence of all time when the Avengers, like the entire Avengers, everybody, like every hero in the MCU comes together to stop past Thanos from wiping out the universe. Unbelievable. And that beautiful score from Alan Silvestri brings tears to my eyes every time. I, I could watch this movie all day. It represents just so much I've always wanted since I was a child to see the, my favorite superheroes on the screen fighting the bad guy and just being a team. And it's a movie I never thought possible. And to see that made me reflect back on my life. Like, this is this was this is made for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. This is a movie for me and I I would have been comfortable if the MCU had ended right there. If there hadn't been any more after that. For sure. I would be I mean the fact that there's going to be a bunch more, I'm okay with that too. Of course, yeah. Because the content's good. If it ended there, it would have been fine cuz I got what I wanted. And I I felt satisfied from 20, you know, 20 films of build up to pay, for the payoff to work. Yeah. is incredible. Man. And yeah, easily my favorite film of the decade. So cool. I mean, I knew, I, I knew, I knew it. It's great to hear you talk about it, though. Yeah, yeah. Fucking end game. <laughs> we are in the end Ugh. game. God, damn it's it. a classic. It is like I might a, just watch it after this. Honestly. It's monumental. Yeah, it is. Maybe I should watch End Game and you watch Mind in the Gap. <laughs> Maybe you could watch Mind in the Gap twice <laughs> in the time that I could watch End Game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This was fun. Hell yeah. This was reflective as that hell. Was, that was good. <laughs> yeah, you know, you really pull out. Yeah. Yeah, you pull out everything. Pull yes, out. you do. Oh, boy. That's great. <laughs> I hope so, you enjoyed this. What are you surprised that I left out? Um, was there anything that you were like, oh, shit, I thought he was going to... Hmm. Because um, I'm surprised we're hereditary for you. Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, Grand Budapest, honestly, I thought you were going to have. Yeah, I don't have... I, I don't... This is weird. I don't have Wes Anderson or Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, the, the master. Ma- the master is unbelievable. Yeah. Inherent Vice, I love. Moneyball, we both I love had. Phantom Threat. Oh yeah, yeah. we both yeah. had that. We both had Moneyball in our ten and both cut it out. Yeah, yeah. we both adore that movie. <laughs> um, I, I actually I, I thought about Parasite. Yeah, um, but I I didn't want to. Recency bias is real. <laughs> yes. And once upon a time, uh, there's been some time. There has been. Uh, that was I, back in July. That has stayed. I didn't. I didn't want to be like, look at me, Parasite. You know. You know what I'm saying. I really wanted to like. All right, let's let's stick true to who you are. I love Parasite. I think it's like a ten out of ten. Yeah. But th- this is, and I'll explain now. When I said Whiplash might be the best movie of the decade, most complete movie. These are my favorite movies. This is in no way. Mind in the Gap is not a bigger feat than Endgame. No way. Mind in the Gap costs very little money. You know, it's a. It it's like a experiment like I said you know it's like a project Endgame is this massive brilliant production that doesn't mean one's better than the other but I can like one more than the other you know what I'm saying yeah and that's what these lists were all about it very clearly it was very obvious that we this is these are our favorites yeah we're not we're not we're not like oh but uh, this one didn't win best picture it's like uh, who gives a fuck you know Um, there's only one best picture winner on either of our lists and it's Moonlight (laughs) You don't have any. I don't have any, yeah. And I don't have any others either. <laughs> it, really, we don't have a lot of even nominees. You know, yeah. we both have Whiplash. Um, I've got a few nominees. I got Social Network. Yeah. I got Grand Budapest, Whiplash, Django, and uh, 
that's that's it. But I'm pretty sure Once Upon a Time is going to be one too. Yeah, thirteenth was up actually for best doc. Uh, boyhood, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. Like I, we both didn't have any Coen Brothers, but. Yeah, I know. Inside Lewin Davis was tough for me. Inside Lewin Davis, True Grit, I love Buster Scruggs, fuck Hail Caesar, but Buster Scruggs <laughs> had a chance. Oh man! <laughs> and uh, I just I hate Hail Caesar. I've tried twice and I'm it. like, this it's is our, it's awful. Our, eh, it's not good. It's boring. Yeah. Inside Lewin <laughs> Davis is my favorite of this decade for Coens, and that was hard to leave off. It was hard to leave off PTA. <laughs> Francis Ha, I adore Francis Ha. Get Out yeah. was hard for me to leave off. Get Out. Uh, yeah, there's so many. Mid-90s hit me really hard. Uh, that was another one that like just kind of impacted me. Uh, I had... Uh, Mad Max. Mad Max. Yeah. I yeah. had. A, uh, I wanted to put uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That one's great. That was yes. great. Uh, Deadpool. Gone Girl. Logan. Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we could make 100. Yeah, we, we easily could. We love this shit. Yeah. yeah. But but the point is to really narrow it down and, and kind of figure some stuff out about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I? So uh, go, go through your 10 again. My 10. Yeah. Number 10, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Number 9, X-Men First Class. Number 8, The World's End. Number 7, Halloween. Number 6, Whiplash. Number 5, Django Unchained. Number 4, John Wick. Number 3, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number 2, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. And number 1, Avengers Endgame. And my 10 is 13th. Number nine, Blue Valentine. Number eight, Everybody Wants Some. Number seven, Boyhood. Number six, The Social Network. Number five, Hereditary. Number four, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number three, Whiplash. Number two, Moonlight. And number one, Minding the Gap. And there you have it, our personal top ten favorites of the decade, the 2010s. Who knows what the 20s are going to bring? Probably some fucking amazing movies. And yeah. in 2029, you will hear I, us talk about them. I don't want to wait that long. So we should do the 90s and the 2000s and yeah. the 80s Why not? and the 70s. God, 2029. Fuck, I'm not even thinking that far ahead. I don't want to think. Yeah. <laughs> so God, if you do you want to go just straight backwards? Maybe do the 2000s next? Sure, why not? We'll shoot for that sometime in the spring or something. Yeah. Why Just not? Fuck around with it. Yeah. Start prepping that. It's fun. It is fun. And it's actually a lot easier than <laughs> Yeah, for us. Than it seems. And I, yeah. I really I really want people to make their own list. Yeah. Because I actually like found like I kind of not found out about myself, but I kinda I got reflective and was like, oh man, I love these. These are these are really important to me. And I'm really proud of the my ten movies, you know? Me and too. I, I know you're proud of yours, and I, I, I love that. That's great. <laughs> All right, man. Feels good. Yeah. Feels good. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. And yes. uh, you can check out our Harry Potter episode 40 coming out this Wednesday. All aboard Hogwarts Express. You are going to enjoy that one. Trust me. We're going to have a lot of time, a lot of fun putting that one together. And uh, stay classy. Oh, yeah.